everyone, my name is Zachary Rodier and welcome to episode 20 of 614 Check here on the Scarlet and Gray Sports Radio Podcasting Network. And we have a fantastic show for you today. And we are back with our interview series as in this episode we have the head coach of the National Championship Women's Ice Hockey Team for the Ohio State Buckeyes and head coach Nadine Mazaral. And this was an absolutely fantastic interview and we were so happy to have her on the podcast. And this was a great interview where we talk about everything from how she got into hockey, getting into that head coaching position with the Ohio State Buckeyes, the progress through the years, and of course the national championship season this year and everything that went around in the Frozen Four. We also start previewing next year's season, talking about some players that are coming back for the Scarlet Gray. Four senior players are going for their fifth year as graduate students. We have that exclusive announcement near the end of this interview. And for Ohio State right now, of course, they winning the national championship first in the first round, beating Quinnipiac, then going to the Frozen Four and defeating Yale. And then, of course, University of Minnesota Duluth in the national championship game. So Ohio State, our national champions, will then get in to the Rapid Headlines College Corner and talk about some Blue Jackets hockey as well. But without further ado, enjoy this interview with the head coach of the national championship winning Ohio State women's ice hockey team. Enjoy the interview with Nadine Musgrove. Today, 614 Check is excited to welcome the head coach of the 2022 national champion Ohio State women's ice hockey team who has taken the Buckeyes to two final face-off championships and a national championship this season in just six years. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Coach Nadine Muzzerall to the show. And Coach, thank you so much for coming on today. Anything for you, Zach. We're excited to have a conversation with you after the dust has settled and we're relishing in the victory. Of course, and talking about that victory, a huge congratulations on the national championship and hearing those words, national champions, how crazy does that still feel to you? And how have the celebrations been over the past few weeks? Well, you know what? It it, it does feel a little surreal, of course, um, to know that you actually got to stand on top of the pyramid um, when you know that there are so many other fantastic teams out there in the country and ones especially that we face numerous times within our own conference. But um, it feels really good. But, you know, it also feels very deserving because the girls have worked so hard. And I know we won the national championship this year. However, you know, we've been in the frozen four, four times, you know, in five years. So we're, um, you know, very grateful that we finally got it done. And, and we know it takes a lot and it's very hard to win one. In terms of the victory, like I haven't even seen the trophy since that first day. So the, the young ladies have had that and been parading around all of town, which they should. So um, it's been great. But to be honest, though, the whole state of Ohio has been very, very supportive of us, especially the Blue Jackets and, of course, Ohio State University Athletics, too. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're just been very appreciative. Um, of everybody's love and support for us. Absolutely. And you said you haven't seen that trophy since the first day. That's hilarious to me because I've seen, I haven't seen it in person yet, but uh, I've heard and calling some other games that they've been at baseball games, softball games all over the place. And you talked about the blue jackets game. Um, 614 check. There's a lot of different hockey, blue jackets, Ohio state. How amazing has that support been from the blue jackets and just watching that ceremony that night when the team got an extra lap around for a victory lap. And you guys just had that moment on the ice. How great of a night was that? That was very fun. You know, I got to give the blue jacket some credit because they didn't just come knocking on our door and wanting us to be there when we won a national championship, just like you, Zach, they've been around from the beginning, you know what I mean? And showing a lot of love. And so at first I have to admit when they said that they were going to do a victory lap, I thought that might look weird, you know, them on their skates going around. But then the whole rink went scarlet. Carmen, Ohio's blasting. Everybody's screaming, O-H-I-O. I mean, 
just felt a lot of energy and a lot of support and love from not just youth girls hockey, but grown men <laughs> too. Mm-hmm. Just very excited about Ohio State women's hockey winning a national championship. Absolutely. And what was different about this team? And it was amazing to see that moment when they had it on the ice. But what was different about this team this year that finally you said you've been in the Frozen Four a lot, finally able to get over that hump? And when did you know that this was your team's year? You know, um, I think the problems in the past were that we had a lot of talent, but we didn't have a lot of depth. And so when you're trying to play teams that have a large roster and you only have about four, maybe five D that are playing and two, two and a half lines, it can catch up to you. And it can really, you know, when you're playing good teams, fast paced, quick hockey and the way we play, our style of being pretty relentless, that's hard to maintain when you have a short bench. So I think this summer getting some transfers and adding the depth to our program really helped us. But I noticed a major difference after they came back from Christmas. I think that the fact that they were able just to focus on academics and hockey went a long way because they weren't having to be tested six times a a week like they were last year. And it wasn't about COVID. It was just about hockey. Mm -hmm. And they knew that they could play tomorrow instead of that stress. What does tomorrow look like? What's happening today even? So I think when they got settled and came back after seeing their family and loved ones, they were just flying with, you know, excitement to be there. Yeah. And you talked about um, your, your team getting over that hump and getting those national championships and those WCHA championships. But for you in your past, when you were with the Minnesota Golden Gophers in your playing career, I want to step back a little bit and we'll get back to the national championship in a bit. But how did you get into hockey? And when did you know that that is what you wanted to do for your career and just your moments playing in Minnesota? Sure. So, I mean, I grew up in Mississauga, which is a city next to Toronto. So it's kind of one of those things you just do growing up. And I have an older brother, Darren, and whatever Darren did, I wanted to do. You know, that's how it was. And we built a rink in our backyard every year with thumb to the hose and just stood out there and played every night. And that's how I got started to play. And it was just part of our culture. But I just really enjoyed the game. And I know that when you graduate from college, you're like, oh my God, what do I do now? When you're all of a sudden 22, after four years of an institution taking care of you and giving you everything you possibly need, then you have to grow up and be on your own. And you're like, whoa, wait a second. I'm not ready for that. Mm -hmm. And so I had good mentors and good leaders that really helped me, you know, um, pave that path for me. They thought I would be a good coach based on my leadership qualities and my personality. And I studied adolescent behavior in college and I know I wanted to work with young minds. And so it was a good combination to do something that I'm very passionate about um, and an opportunity to use sport to try to, you know, help young, young women achieve their goals. Absolutely. And how difficult was that transition going from being a coach uh, or a player always wanting to be on the ice, be in the action versus taking a step back and looking at things more analytically and uh, coaching students and athletes instead of being the one on the ice. Very difficult. <laughs> it's still one of the more difficult things to do because you see how it's supposed to be and you, and you want it to be that way. And then when it doesn't, it's hard because you're not on the ice and you're not able to change that. Um, And there's a lot more trust in it, right? Like you have to trust that they're going to do what you're teaching them and and why they're prepared and how they're prepared. And you got to trust that they're ready. Um, And that's your responsibility as a coach to make sure that happens, but it's their responsibility as an athlete to not perform that. And um, that's why I thought they were so brilliant in the championship game was because they played relentless, but they were so poised. And Um, I just knew after that first period that they're, they were just laser focused and ready to go. And so it is very difficult to see that because that Quinnipiac game, when we outshot him 77, 22, Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, this is just going to be one bad bounce, not in our favor off a shin pad and go in. And then, you know, and that's, what's hard as a coach, because you want to go out there and just put one away for them, but, um, you just have to trust them. And that's probably one of the tougher things is. Not the analytical side and the preparation. I I don't have any problem with that. I work really hard and 
tirelessly here till two, three in the morning, a lot of the time. So I'm not worried about that, but it's more the trust of like, well, will they get it done? <laughs> but yeah, they did they had a great year. And they did. And I, I mean, for me, it's a little bit different. Um, I played hockey when I was younger. Now going on to the broadcasting, it's still sometimes you do want to get onto the ice, but seeing you now with all the Ohio state logos around you and you moved from Minnesota as an assistant coach now to getting that head coach position with the Ohio State Buckeyes. Take me through your early moments being a head coach with the Buckeyes. What were your immediate goals? And could you ever imagine sitting here six years later with what is soon to be going to be a championship ring on your finger? Well, when you're um, a competitor such as myself and most coaches probably are, that is your ultimate end goal is to be the best. And like I said earlier, sit on top of that pyramid. And did I think it was possible? Yeah, it's Ohio State. It's athletics in Ohio State. It's possible. Um, Was I doubtful at first just because I was the third coach in three years. So if you were a junior, you didn't have the same coach twice. So there was some doubt in that. But then that's also the reason why they hired me, right? Like they want to change. They knew I came from a program that had a lot of history of success and that I was part of that as a coach and a player. And um, so I was bred well, I guess, in that sense. But um, I give a lot of credit to Diana Sabo, who is the one that hired me and took a chance on me. And honestly, I didn't know anything, Zach, about the administrative side of things. I didn't really care for that piece of it either. Um, I wanted to coach and I wanted to adapt. I mean, sorry, adopt these young women and, and build them into better leaders and tomorrow's role models, you know? And so um I knew I could do that piece. Um, but after being on the administrative side of everything, you, you see very quickly the support and the resources at Ohio state. And I just never understood why they weren't great earlier because they had it the whole time. And so I think Diana Sabo's leadership is one of the big reasons too. Um, my first year to answer your question was just really observing and watching and taking note and trying to understand their, um, you know, like their traditions that they have, you know, coming from another Big Ten school, I didn't want to stomp too much on that. And then it was just really observing and learning. And we had to make a lot of changes. I had to be comfortable to trust my moral compass. And the biggest thing that I did was establish relationships and build trust because, you know, love is trust over time. And um, really, that's what I did. I spent a long time when I was saying I was working till two, three in the morning because I would have weekly meetings, bi-weekly for them, weekly for me, bi-weekly meetings with every girl. And it'd be 20, 30 minutes, 20, 30 minutes. And just talking about their life, not hockey, but sometimes hockey and school and social, social things going on. And then I'd get to my work. So that wouldn't be till late at night. Right. And that's what you have to do. You have to, you have to take that on the chin and and lose some sleep sometimes for Mm -hmm. the betterment of the team. Absolutely. And I think just that whole team aspect and off the ice of, I, I mean, I've been talking to Katie, who was the Lantern reporter uh, for the women's hockey team mm-hmm. this year, and just about how coachable you are teaching these young student athletes, always on the bench, giving them teaching moments in the middle of the game, something when we were looking at the other benches, we didn't really see that as much. So having that connection, I think, those tw- like you said, those 20-minute the 30 minute conversations just every week is something amazing to me that and that's really a really cool insight to hear about and you started to get more comfortable in your position with the Buckeyes and in 2020 I think the big turning point and maybe you can agree or disagree with this was that WCHA championship and how big was a momentum switch for that but also at the same time how difficult was that due to the COVID stoppage um, near the end once you guys were going to that frozen four and did it ignite you a little bit uh, coming into the next few seasons? I agree. That broke the mold, you know, um, us winning the conference tournament. I I think the second year I was here in that 2017, 18 season was a big one too, because it was our first frozen four ever within the second season. And that's the year, like I was telling the first year was observing the second year was just like blowing it up, trusting the moral compass and really leaning in on Jules Iafalo and Lauren Spring, our, our captains and giving them a lot of responsibility because they're the bridge between the captains. Uh, sorry, the, the team, the locker room and the coaches. And, um, they wanted change. They just didn't know how to make change. Right. And so that's where I come in and, and help guide them with that. And they, you know what, it could be my beliefs and my ideas, but they got to buy it and do it. Right. So a lot of credits for them, but when we won that conference championship, I think that just gave us 
um, confidence that we might have been lacking, right? Because the year before we weren't in the NCAA tournament, that's the only time in five years and the five years I've been here. And I think um, that gave him a little spark too, because sometimes we feel like we get shortchanged because of our conference and how often we play each other versus out East. And um, anyways, I think that that just gave them a momentum and pride and, you know, brought a lot of pride back to OSU and to just our alums too, that took pride in our program finally, because they have always had pride in being a Buckeye, but they didn't have pride necessarily in being a hockey player at OSU. And um, when that fell short, it was also how it felt short. We were already packed, ready to go back to play the Gophers for the first round of the NCAA tournament. And we found out at the airport when our bags were already checked. Wow. So it was very dramatic on how it happened. And that was just, you know, they, they took it hard. I mean, it's, they took it hard because the, the hardest part was just by I don't know when I'll see you again, seniors, yeah. you know, and, and nobody knew what COVID was. Everybody's freaking out and nervous about it. And um, so I was just, I think the unknown, but the biggest thing that I had to do as a coach is get back to the balance. We got to balance them out. We got to get their head and their, um, you know, their mindset. Right. And, and, but you got to give credit to these young women and all the athletes. They're very resilient, you know, and, and um, they found a way and they came back and took that as momentum. Cause it was unfinished business. Absolutely. And I just hearing that, that you guys were at the airport ready to go. That's a huge shock. I think that everyone got, and especially going into the tournament, you guys just won, you got that automatic bid, hoping that everything was going to go well. And ultimately that big shock there and coming into this season, what was the attitude for your team? Along with the rest of your great staff, you only had one freshman and a lot of different transfers. So a much older team you guys decided to go with what was the attitude in making those decisions as well as the next steps here uh, for the season well at the end of the day I, I feel I know what's best for our program and and that's what is always on the forefront of my mind is we service the athletes and that's our job um, we talked as a staff about needing more depth that I had talked earlier in the conversation with us with you earlier and it was just we needed more we're depth. We were like two, maybe three deep, a little too slim and same with forward positioning. And, um, also it wasn't just one and done these, the, like Hadley, Bernard, you know, <clears throat> Kirk, our goaltender. And then, you know, we were going to have these young ladies, um, you know, on Hartmets who just scored the game winning goal. I mean, not sorry, not Hartmets, Hosworth who just scored the game winning goal. Like we were going to have these guys for multiple years. Yeah. So it wasn't just trying to win for this year. It was building, um, for the, for the future. Right. And, um, I felt like I was a general manager and a little bit of Russell Crowe and a beautiful mind and trying to figure out how to find the money and how to make it all work. But we had money and we had a lot of roster spots because our, our team was very thin. And so now that you have that leadership and you have, um, older people that have been there and done that before. Now they're just guiding the youngsters and um, the newbies and they just really took them under their wing. And the culture was never a concern or a problem for us because we do our job and making sure that that stays protected and that, you know, we protect the players that are here. And honestly, they know each other better than we know them. So we took a lot of advice from what they thought of the athletes character once we heard they were in the transfer portal. So um, yeah. They, they helped build that too, our, our returning players. You could definitely tell in the interviews and on, even on the ice, the chemistry that everyone had, even though there were, in fact, a lot of transfer students. And your team also, you talked about that depth, didn't really have any injuries at all that, at least on my side and the fans and the media know about, uh, which was definitely huge for your team. And I want to talk about the seniors a little bit. Uh, Andrea came on the podcast uh, right before she went to the Olympics and talked about having that extra championship drive in her senior season. You had a gigantic senior class, including the grad students. How big were those seniors and those veterans that have been here with the Buckeyes for a while to help you guys get over that other push? That's just it. Like we needed their experience. We needed their guidance of losing. They were used to losing in the championship or when it counted, that frozen for it. And that's what we talked about the last time when we lost last year in overtime. I mean, sorry, lost last time by one goal and lost in overtime in the conference championship. And 
it was just like, just remember this feeling and how bad it feels. And remember that every time we train and every time you have to do another skate or every time you have to do another lift or every time it hurts, just remember that feeling because that is more scarring than this moment that you feel of pain. Because honestly, that dictates some somewhat of your future, um, the losing. And in a good way, it dictated our future of motivating us. And then we took control of that and, and promised that we would never feel that again and use that as a driving force to win. And it worked well. And the, and the leaders guided that because they remembered that horrible feeling in the and, locker room after. And I was talking about Andrea coach and you know, every time we talk, I'm going to get into some sort of question when it comes to the goaltenders, you had a very interesting situation this year when it came to Andrea starting really well at the beginning, then going for the Olympics and giving T Lee that opportunity to really shine. Just describe that different dynamic that you had this year and almost how it helped you going into that national championship win. Yeah. You know, it's probably a little more common than people realize. I mean, look at our competitor. It happened with Duluth, right? Mm -hmm. With their goaltending situation. And they did start their second goaltender in the conference and it didn't end well. So they went back to their Olympic goalie. So um, a rule of thumb, somebody's hot. Why would you ever change that? Because if I put Andrea in and it didn't work, then it looks real bad coaching decision. Right. And so Tealy at the end of the day earned it and deserved it. And she didn't do anything to have that taken from her, but on the flip, either did Andrea, but it's not any different than like a quarterback in football getting injured. And then the backup comes in and replaces the quarterback, Tom Brady, pretty certain that they're pretty happy that they found Tom Brady sitting mm-hmm. on the sidelines when his number got called, it turned his life around. Right. With Tealy, she was ready, unlike an injury. She was ready because she knew Andrea was leaving. So I think it upped her game in practice. It helped that we had Bailey as our volunteer coach, who was great for all of our goalies. We didn't have that last year. And last year, I think Tealy accepted the fact that she was the second goalie. She was a freshman to an Olympic goalie. This year, she knew she was going to have to step up and she was mentally prepared because she knew when it was happening. And then when it did happen, she split with the number one team, Minnesota, and then the four team Duluth. And then she swept the number two, three team at the time of Wisconsin. And then it continued on. I think she was like 11 and 0. So it was one of those things where you cannot make that change. And I'm glad we didn't because it ended up being the right choice. And she's going to be with the Buckeyes for at least another two years, uh, which is really exciting for your organization. And I want to now get to that WCHA tournament uh, when we were all in Minnesota together. Uh, You guys had a lot of comeback wins uh, facing adversity with the comebacks or that Bemidji State game uh, when the goalie was pulled. How important were those comeback games and that adversity? And how important was that championship for your confidence? Well, I think you brought up Bemidji. And I think, you know, anyone that knows hockey or anybody that knows what it is to be a competitor knows that that was the right choice. Mm -hmm. I know our team does not the end of the day, like a lot of everything else outside is just noise. Right. And you got to just stop the noise, the distraction. And we knew what was at stake. And my philosophy is not to, to train them to try to be number two. My philosophy is get them to be number one and we're going to go for it. I mean, that girl couldn't hit that puck like that twice in a row. if She wanted to, you know, let alone a hundred times in a row (laughs) or one in a hundred. So with that being said, it was the right choice. Um, but I think what it did is it woke up our players. Hey, you can't sit on this. you got to find a way to win because you outshot them like 55 to 20. So you have to find a way to bury it because situations like this can happen. We almost saw it with Quinnipiac, 77 shots, 22. It could have hit a shin pad, it hit the post, and, you know, there goes your season. And so you have to find a way to bear down and win. And so – when we were down, don't forget, we're down to Wisconsin and we're down to Minnesota. Like people keep talking about that, but it's, that's not abnormal. They're really mm-hmm. good teams. And so I think it just spoke about our, um, our team's resiliency and that fight. And, and we're not done. We're going to keep coming after you. Like I've said before, we have that Rocky mentality where Apollo Creed was the better fighter, but Rocky just kept coming after him and wore him down. They're going to face opponents like was Minnesota better at some games? Maybe, maybe Wisconsin was, but we're going to keep coming after you. And that's what we do. And when others get comfortable or others get tired, that's when we find that weakness. And and that's when we bury it. Absolutely. And we only have a few minutes left. So I want to get to now the national championship tournament. 
You guys hosted a regional against Quinnipiac. You've been talking about that double overtime game when you had 70 shots on goal. How important was that uh, quickly to be at home and get that win and have that adversity through 70 shots plus? Well, it's nice when you see seven, eight, nine, ten 10-year-old girls there and they're excited to see really good hockey, see their state, Ohio State, their, their women's team that they can look up to being one of the best in the country and, and getting really good hockey here at the rink so people can watch and, and appreciate and respect women's hockey because it is very beautiful and it's a hard, intense game. I've had a lot of people come that never had seen hockey before that were just mesmerized by how badass they are, you know, and I think that was very healthy for these young girls that want to play hockey and continue their future to understand that there is a possibility to pursue this and make it a, make it your future and make it a dream. And so I thought that was very big for the state of Ohio to mm-hmm. host that national championship quarter, uh, quarterfinals. And now going into the Frozen Four, you beat Yale two to one, UMD in the national championship game three to two. What were those games like? And when you guys ultimately won that national championship, we could see the emotion on your face as uh, you went down to tears there and were able to hug a lot of people that got you to that moment. What was that moment like in that Frozen Four experience as as a whole? Well, you know, it's it's exciting. It's adrenaline, you know. Pagula is a beautiful hockey rink at Penn state and they did a very good job hosting us. And it, it looked like a nice tournament, you know, like it looked like a legit NCAA tournament. And I think that that they did a very good job. And so that gets the girls juices flying, maybe a little butterflies because there are quite a few that never been there before. And there were quite a few that had, so it was very split with our team and, you know, Yale had never been there before. So that's good and bad, really, because they don't know any different. They're just going to go all out or maybe they're nervous because we've been here the year before. So uh, they played well. You know, do I think we were the better team? Yeah, I still think that, of course, we hemmed them in in the second period, just couldn't capitalize. I thought we could have maybe separated a little bit more and we didn't. But their goalie came to play that day and good for her. Um, but we found a way to score when we needed to. I think when you went to play when we went to play um, the national championship game against Duluth, it was people kept saying, would you have preferred Northeastern over North, North uh, over Duluth? No, I mean, either one is fine, but I prefer the devil, you know, right. And so mm-hmm. that's where um, Duluth was good for us. Um, but I, after that first period, I felt very confident. Our girls, like I said earlier, were relentless and poised and uh, causing a lot of turnovers and controlled the neutral zone and attacked fast. And I could just see like in their eyes, they were focused and they were ready to win. And I felt actually more calm in the national championship game than I did the two previous games. Hmm. Um, And I don't know, maybe it was because we knew our competitor or maybe um, the girls just said, Hey, we got here and we're no way are we ever losing this opportunity. Absolutely. And just seeing that emotion on everyone on the team, especially you as well, was amazing to see. And we're wrapping things up here. Coach Nadine Muzzerall of the Ohio State women's hockey team here. And let's move on quickly with just a minute or so left, talking about next year, uh, trying to go for the back-to-back. We're going to see some banner raises, some championship rings. What is next for this team? A new approach next year with a lot of different letters of intent. We know that there's going to be a packed transfer portal, and I already can tell even though it's the offseason, you're still working and trying to build that team for next year. So where do you see this team coming next year? Well, last year was, you know, a unicorn year where we had a lot of money and we had a lot of opening spots. This year is not going to be the case. If we get any transfer, it might just be one just because of roster size and money. And um, the we're focusing more on really, we got a lot of returners, you know, from this national championship team. Of course, we're going to have Emma Malte come back. who just won mm-hmm. a gold medal for team Canada. And she's going to bring not only her skill, but her leadership through her experience there because she wasn't the top player there. So she learned from a different side, which I think will be very impactful for everybody this year. Um, and then, you know, we have um, a big, big senior, uh, freshman class coming in. We have eight five forwards, two D and a goalie, you know? And so they're going to bring a lot of depth that, you know, that we didn't have in the past, but they're freshmen. So they're going to have to work for their spot. And, you know, it's quite a shift from high school to college, especially to the number one team in the country, but that's our job. And that's our responsibility to mold them to be ready for that. But we got a lot of really good talented players for next year as well. 
Absolutely. And you possibly have some seniors that take an extra year uh, with Sophie Jakes possibly going to be here for another year. Don't know if you can confirm anything with if you know any uh, players are coming back that were seniors this year. Yeah, we will. We'll have uh, Levis back and we'll have Bazal back and we're going to have Jakes back. Um, so we will have some some people back, um, you know, and Gabby Rosenthal is coming back. So those four we know are, are sorry, those five we know are coming back. So we're excited about that. I know Sarah and Evie are going to go and probably play over in Europe. And then um, we're just excited for those players returning. And that was some great information there, uh, some exclusive there, especially with Emma Malte coming back. You're going to have a gold medalist, possibly other medalists if you have the transfer portal. Uh, one more question here. We've talked about in the past a w- new women's ice hockey rink. Uh, how important do you think that is for this team? Is that something we could see within the next few years, especially with you guys now being national champions? Do you think we need a new rink? <laughs> I mean, I, I think you guys deserve one for sure, uh, especially during those Wisconsin games when everyone was sold out. But at the same time, I hear that the players love it because of the atmosphere. So w- what's your perspective it on is. it? Is it an eyesore? For sure, it's an eyesore. But I recruit kids that don't care about that stuff. And that's obvious, you know, by our victory uh, in our national championship. Now, do we deserve a new rank? Of course we deserve a new rank because it's Ohio State and the standards are high. So there is talk and it is in the works. And um, I'm very optimistic that it will be happening. And I know it's a, a project and a, um, a goal for Gene Smith. And so um, I'm here to you know, support and push that as much as I can. But I don't want that to dictate our future. I mean, does it hurt sometimes? Yeah, it hurts recruiting a little bit, but then they're just not the right kid for our program. And we'll get the right kids with an, a new rank or without a new rank. And when you're national champions, you can almost bring whoever <laughs> you want to, right? I hope it helps recruiting. (laughs) Absolutely. And one last thing I want to talk about before we sign off here on a more fun note, um, you've been known and they were even talking about it on ESPN during the national championship games. Whenever we see you on the bench, you're always chewing some gum and your kids are in the stands. How important are those aspects? How, how how did the gum uh, come into things on, on the coaching aspect? I don't know. Like, I didn't know until I saw it myself. I'm like, oh, that's really looks bad. But um, you know what? I don't care either because it's just I'm intense until somebody's been standing in that position. It's uh, one thing to talk about and one thing to actually do it. And so for me, um, I got ripped apart from my family. My mom is always like, you always look so nice on the bench. And then you look like a cow with your gum chewing. So fair enough. I, I took note of that. But I've always been a gum chewer, two pieces of juicy fruit, or um, we have this new caffeinated gum that I chew as well. And so um, that's just been a history since Rick Osborne, my peewee coach, he always chew two pieces of gum. But um, with my kids being in the stands, I mean, they've taken, you know, the blunt of my hard work, not having mom sometimes at home for birthdays or Easter's or you know, whatever Halloween's. So it's nice that they can be there. And of course my mom lives with us and helps with um, manage that. And my husband's working too, training dogs for narcotics and explosives. So, I mean, we're just very busy family. So when they could actually be there, luckily they could drive to Penn state and relish in the victory and shed some tears because they see the blood, sweat and tears behind the scenes. So they know what I've gone through over the years to build this program. And I'm just very grateful that they support me. That's great. And when it comes to the gum, it it works. So you don't need well, to change it at all. You know what, Zach? I'm trying to get an NIL deal for like maybe juicy fruit or something that could be, you know, I the, way, that could the work, way in. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, coach, thank you so much for coming on today. Don't want to take up any of more, more of your time. I know you guys are very busy, even though the off season. So again, a big congratulations. Enjoy the continuing celebration. Hopefully you get to see that trophy a little bit more uh, than just right at the beginning and have an amazing off season and can't wait uh, for the banner raising next year. Yeah, us too. Thanks so much for supporting us and we look forward to seeing you next year as well. Absolutely. Thank you. All right, I hope you enjoyed that exclusive interview with Coach Nadine Muzzerall of the Ohio State Buckeyes National Championship winning ice hockey team here, and that was really exciting to have her on. And, you know, Coach Muzzerall has been great 
to myself and the rest of the Scarlet Gray Sports Radio crew this entire season, and we were happy to cover them this entire run. It was an absolute joy, and already can't wait until next season. So, Coach Mazzarell, thank you so much again for coming on and all your support this year. It's meant a lot as I'm starting covering Ohio State women's hockey this year, and it was an honor to cover you and the rest of your team. And right now, you heard from that interview, there are four players that are confirmed to be coming back for the Ohio State women's hockey team. Sophie Jakes, Gabby Rosenthal, Peyton Levis, and Madison Bizall. And all four of those players for the Ohio State women's ice hockey team were in so important to the team. Sophie Jakes, Patty Kazmaier, finalist. Peyton Levis, leading goal scorer. Unbelievable. She helped win the ta- championship. She was the Frozen Four MVP. You then, of course, have Gabby Rosenthal on that top line, always winning those faceoffs. Amazing. And Madison Bizal right beside, of course, Sophie Jakes. And Bizal is quiet offensively sometimes, but she is an amazing defender, really helping this Buckeyes team quietly. And I think all four of these, and we heard Emma Malte coming back as well so the Buckeyes are going to be loaded next year looking for the repeat and a lot of freshmen as well and maybe one or two transfers that we will see in the future as well so again coach Mazzarell thank you so much for coming on and we're going to now move on to the rapid headlines in college corner and talk about the Columbus Blue Jackets but before we do that um, Scarlet Gray Sports Radio and 614 check made a statement this past weekend on the untimely passing of Dwayne Haskins and the following statement from Scarlet and Gray Sports Radio. Sad news this past weekend as former Ohio State quarterback Dwayne Haskins passed away at the age of 24. Haskins was known by sports fans around the country and the world for his accomplishments on the football field, winning both Big Ten Offensive Player of the Year and Quarterback of the Year as a Buckeye in 2018 and starting 13 games for Washington in his first two seasons in the NFL. To others, Haskin was more than an athlete. He was a son, a brother, and a friend. This weekend and this week is meant for more than grieving the death of a football star. Haskins' passing is a stark reminder that any moment could be our last and to live each day as if there won't be another tomorrow. On behalf of Scarlet Gray Sports Radio and 614 Check, our hearts go out to Dwayne Sr., Tamara, Tamia and the rest of the Haskins family now and forever and our thoughts and prayers are with them at this moment and we're now going to take this transition and start talking about the Columbus Blue Jackets who unfortunately this summer also dealt with a tragic passing of Matisse Kivlinix and for the Blue Jackets not the season they have wanted of course they are not looking like they're going to be in the playoff picture, but they made some signings from the Frozen Four, and we'll get to the Frozen Four in a little bit, but from Michigan, they got out in the first round, as right now, Ohio State signing two Michigan Wolverines, so from Wolverines to now being in the Buckeye State, the Blue Jackets signing University of Michigan sophomore forward Kent Johnson to a three-year contract, entry level beginning this season and at the 2020 NHL draft he was selected in the first round fifth overall Kekalainen saying Kent Johnson is a remarkable young man both on and off the ice he's a highly skilled and creative player who can bring you out of your seat whenever he's on the ice we're thrilled that he is taking the next step in his career and look forward to his growth and contributions as a Blue Jacket for years to come and for Kent Johnson this is an amazing signing for the Blue Jackets getting him now not into the Scarlet and Gray, but in the Union Blue and Red, as this is going to be an unbelievable player for the Columbus Blue Jackets years to come. They hope to make him a long-term player here that they can build around in this rebuild or what they like to call a reset. So we will see how this happens in the future and most likely going to play against the Montreal Canadiens um, very shortly on Wednesday when the Blue Jackets face off against them here at home. Also, the Blue Jackets, they were watching Ken Johnson a lot in the University of Michigan this year, and some other player 
caught their eye. So the Blue Jackets making another signing, signing Michigan captain Nick Blankenberg to a one-year contract entry level for the remainder of the season. He's also expected to join the club on Monday. Blankenberg, number, he is 23 years old, served as Michigan's captain this season, set career highs in goals, assists, points, and power play goals with 14 goals, 15 assists for 29 points, along with 22 penalty minutes, 6 power play goals, and a plus 17 plus minus rating in 38 games. He's tied for second among all NCAA defensemen in goals and power plays, goals and 15th tied in points as he helped the Wolverines win the Big Ten Tournament championship and earn a spot in the frozen four Kakalainen saying we watched michigan a lot this season and each time came away more and more impressed by nick in the way he plays the game he's a talented smart real competitive player with great leadership qualities and we are thrilled to welcome him to our organization so the blue jackets making this signing now for blakenberg i think this is another solid one the blue jackets needed some defensive in their depths in the future and this is a great signing so it's a one-year contract, so it'll expire at the end of the season, but he will be an RFA, so the Blue Jackets will, in fact, hold his rights in the future. And so the Blue Jackets making those two signings, let's look at how they did this past week. Beating Philly 4-2 away on Tuesday, then falling to the Flyers at home, and Brad Larson not liking their effort there as they lose 4-1 in that home-and-home -home series. Then they go to Detroit in Jack Roslevic getting the overtime winner and a hat-trick goal, 5-4 at Little Caesars Arena. Moving on this week for the Columbus Blue Jackets, three games before we talk next in episode 21 of 614 Check, and a great game between the Montreal Canadiens, 7 p.m. on Wednesday. I am most likely going to be there, because everyone knows on the podcast, 614 Check guy, but also have... Lots of connections with the Canadians and will be out there seeing them play as well. Then they head out to the West Coast for their road trip as they go to Los Angeles Kings. That game puck drop 10.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and an 8.30 puck drop on Sunday and that one against the Anaheim Ducks. So three games this week. The Blue Jackets having a little time off right now after some road trips. They'll then go on another one, of course, on that West Coast trip, and then almost be wrapping it up. Only two weeks left in their season, uh, since it is unlikely at this moment in time that they will be making the playoffs. Now getting into the rapid headlines here on 614 Check. Some teams clinching some playoff spots this week, and we look for the race for the President's Trophy. In first place is Colorado in the league with 110 points, 72 games played. Florida with 72 games played with 108 points in Carolina 102, Toronto 100, New York 100. And those are the only five teams reaching 100 points yet. And those five teams also clinching. So Colorado clinching the first spot in the Western Conference. All other four, of course, in the Eastern Conference. So looking at the Metropolitan Division right now, Carolina Right now at number one, clinching a spot, New York, the number two spot. And that one is going to be a close race for number one in the Metro. Just two points separating them both playing the same amount of games with 73. And then, of course, Pittsburgh playing 74 games at 94 points. And then Washington right behind them with 90 points. And they are in a wild card position at this moment in time. And right behind them in the Metro are the Blue Jackets and Islanders. The Islanders having 75 points, Blue Jackets 74, but between 4 and 5 right now from a difference of 90 to 75, it's very unlikely either team will make the playoffs in the Islanders and Blue Jackets. In the Atlantic Division, of course, Florida Panthers with 108 points. They clinch it a spot, and the Toronto Maple Leafs did as well. Right behind them, the Tampa Bay Lightning with 96 points, Boston at 95, and then between 4 and 5 is 95 points to 66 of the Detroit Red Wings. So looking right now at the wild card spots, it would be Boston and Washington getting them with New York and Columbus far behind in New York and the New York Islanders. At the Western Conference right now, like I said, Colorado only the spot clinched. Minnesota, St. Louis right now 
in those other top two spots in the top three. And in the Pacific Division, it's Calgary, Edmonton, and the LA Kings. Going to the wild card, it's the Nashville Predators with 87 points, Dallas with 86, and the Vegas Golden Knights right under that right now with 84 points right on the playoff bubble, but they have one game in hand. So it's going to be an interesting end to the playoff race here. As let's move on to the rapid headlines as Marion Hosa signing a one-day contract and officially retiring with the Chicago Blackhawks. And he's going to get his number retired next season for the Colorado Avalanche. Elliot Friedman reporting 975000 in year one and $1 million in year two for a contract with the Avs and Curtis McDermott. We also know, of course, that Ryan Getzlov announcing that he will hang up the skates after this season as he is going to retire as the Anaheim Ducks captain. We also know that the Cleveland Monsters signing Evan Moyes to a PTO, and that is a former Ohio State Buckeye player. Of course, we know Carson Meyer for the Blue Jackets getting his first NHL goal this week, and congratulations to him and injury news on Fortunately for the New Jersey Devils, Jack Hughes will not be playing for the rest of the season, suffering a lower-grade MCL spring this past Sunday versus the Islanders. That was two Sundays ago, actually. And other news, of course, we know that the San Jose Sharks announcing GM Doug Wilson will step down at the end of the season. After 19 years at the helm, he's not been on the job since November because of a medical condition, so doing the right thing for him. Sharks owner Hasso Plattner says the team will now begin an extensive external search for the team's next GM. The search will be led by Plattner, interim GM Joe Will, and team president Jonathan Betcher. So it doesn't look like Joe Bill is going to have that spot as he is currently helping find new someone new. We also know, of course, Buffalo Sabres signing Owen Power from University of Michigan. Just like Ken Johnson going to the Jackets, it's going to be a three-year entry-level contract. We also know, of course, that in NHL news, New York Islanders Casey Sezikis been suspended one game for boarding Carolina's Brendan Smith. And we also know on the rapid headlines that Matty Beniers from the University of Michigan signing with the Seattle Kraken on his three-year entry-level contract. Now moving on to the college corner before we get to the Frozen Four, some news, and that is that... Ohio State Buckeyes forward Georgie Merkulov after a freshman year with the Ohio State Buckeyes signing a three-year entry-level contract with the Boston Bruins and this is a big contract that's going to be starting next season. Right now he's joining his former captain Grant Gabriel at the Providence Bruins as an AHL tryout contract for the rest of the season and then he will be with the Bruins starting next year so a great pickup I think for the Boston Bruins, and he's now going to be teammates with not only Grant Gabriel, but Mason Lorai, who's still with the Ohio State Buckeyes, um, but is drafted by the Bruins. And of course, we know that this year's Hobie Baker winner goes to Dryden McKay of Minnesota State men's hockey, and a big congratulations to him when it comes to that. A big award and another goaltender winning the Hobie Baker, which goes to the player of the year, in the NCAA Men's Hockey League. And when it comes to the Frozen Four, let's talk about the two games that happen here. And the first one, the semifinals between Denver and Michigan, and we knew it was going to be a fluky goal or something that happened. And this one, of course, going into overtime. And this was a fun game for sure, as Denver beating Michigan 3-2. to Final score there, and that was a fun one down at TD Garden. And then Minnesota State beating Minnesota 5-1 convincingly. And then Denver beating Minnesota State in the national championship convincingly 5-1. So they are the national champions of the 2022 season. And now we know that Ohio State Women's Ice Hockey, the national champions for the NCAA Women's Tournament, and Denver the national champions for the men's. Congratulations, of course, to both teams. And and we definitely wish Nadine Musrall, the head coach of the Ohio State women's ice hockey team, a big congratulations during that interview we had today. And that is going to be it for the College Corner and Rapid Headlines. Without further ado, let's get right into the outro.
I hope you enjoyed episode 20 of 614 Check here on the Starling Gray Sports Radio Podcasting Network. And it was a great interview with head coach Nadine Mazarol of the Ohio State women's hockey team. I hope you all enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed conducting the interview. And it was great to have her on. And Nadine, thanks so much for coming on yet again. And we are expecting a lot more interviews here on 614 Check. So stay tuned here in the future. And if you are following Scar and Gray Sports Radio and 614 Check on Twitter, you may have recently seen that myself, Zachary Rodier, was named the podcast coordinator of the upcoming year of 2223. So I'm really excited to get the podcast going here on 614 Check and continue to grow them. We're going to have great new shows and series, and of course, improvements here on 614 Check in the current episodes and shows here on Scar and Gray Sports Radio and there's upcoming announcements and things and changes you will see especially how you get your podcast in the future but future announcements will happen on that in the near future but make sure for everything you are staying up to date and follow us on social media on the Twitter Instagram and Facebook at the handle at 614check for check spelled F-O-R-E-C-H-E-C-K. And of course, continue to give support to the Ohio State Women's Ice Hockey Team as they won the national championship. And give them that support after this week's episode with Coach Nadine Muzzerall. You can follow them on Twitter as well. They were at the softball game that, if you're following us on Twitter, you saw that I was calling as well. And was able to get a picture with the trophy and talk to some of the players as they and Coach Nadine Muzzerall actually shooting the first pitch there. It was a lot of fun. But anyways, that's going to be it for episode 20 of 614 Check here on SGSR's podcast network. And without further ado, we'll catch you next time on episode 21 of 614 Check. Thanks.